0: I'm Jason Nichols, and I'm on the left. And I'm Vince Colonnais, and I'm on the right. And And if we we can't can't find find common common ground ground in this this world world today, today, then we're all just travelers. Passing each other in an international airport. And this great American experiment will be relegated to the trash bin of history. So let's come
1: together. To debate without yelling. And And let's let's save this this nation. nation. Exclusive reporting from the border in Del Rio, Texas. Next on Vince and Jason, Save the Nation.
2: So on this side, Sudar Alcuna, Mexico, here we have uh, the Haitians behind me, Haitian migrants who are stuck here. They actually will load up their supplies and you guys can see they've used this rope and with the rope they'll hold on to the rope and you can see the man in the red shirt he has a bag of supplies he's actually that's the u.s side uh that's del rio you guys can see the border patrol is up there with a couple of texas state troopers but this is happening in real time and this is happening throughout the river where uh might the the haitians on this side will bring supplies to the haitians on the u.s side one thing that's pretty common is that some of the haitians actually return to the mexican side because due to the Bad conditions and only eating one time a day, so we're seeing that in real time, and them using this rope here uh, to to transport supplies over to the to that side. That's the U.S. side. That's Del Rio, Texas, and we've never seen really anything like this. But this is they're 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 going back and forth, and the border is wide open. We'll keep you guys all the updates as we get them here in Ciudad Acuna, Mexico. Once again, I'm Jorge Vincente, reporter with the Daily Caller.
1: Vincent Jason, Save the Nation, is brought to you by Gold
0: Co. Welcome back to Vince and Jason's Save the Nation, available wherever you find a podcast and certainly on the Daily Caller YouTube page. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, and share right there so a lot of other people get to see this as well. Today, we have a great episode for you. Uh, Jason and I are going to be speaking to another Daily Caller employee, this one who's spent a lot of time uh, traveling the country uh, in order to dig up reporting firsthand on what's going on, certainly in social movements across the country and now. Uh, yet again, on the border crisis, we turn to our correspondent, Jorge Ventura, who has been on the border now uh, for some time in Del Rio, Texas, the center of this massive wave of Haitian migration coming into the United States right now. Jorge, thank you so much for uh, taking some time to chat with Jason and me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, how long have you been down there in Del Rio?
2: So I've been here for four four days here just, you know, documenting and it's still, like I said, it's still very shocking just to see just a small town like Del Rio take this huge influx of migrants and seeing the impact on, on the local community and also the, the Mexican uh, town across it in Sudaracuna. Why, why
0: Del Rio, Texas in particular? I, I, this is, I think, one of the first times in terms of my consciousness of the, the whole immigration crisis that we've had, the whole border crisis that we've had, that Del Rio in particular has become the focal point.
2: Yeah, so the, the past few months um, I've been here documenting the Rio and one thing that we've been running into is just the constant flow of Venezuelan migrants crossing into the river. The reason why the migrants like this Del Rio section is because the, the Mexican town across from it, which is Sudaracuna, is actually one of the towns that are actually least controlled by the human trafficking cartels. So one thing when I'm in Rio Grande Valley is all those uh, Central American migrants, when they cross the river, they actually have to pay the cartel. And that's one thing that we find when we interview the the Central American migrants is they have these wristbands on their wrist kind of showing the proof of purchase. Um, Mm -hmm. That's not actually what we see down here in Ciudad Acuna. There's actually no fee for these Haitian migrants to cross. Now, the the reason why we're seeing this huge influx at one time is a lot of these Haitian migrants were actually stuck in the up in southern Mexico, which is Tapachula, and they actually couldn't leave without proper... Uh, paperwork, and one thing that I've been finding out when I interview these Haitian migrants is they said that on uh, the week of September twelfth, which is known as El Grito, which is a Mexican Independence holiday, they said that all of a sudden the the, the local town government actually gave them access to leave Tapachula, and that's why we're seeing these huge influx all hit Sudaracuna at one time.
1: So, uh, what exactly uh, is the what kind of documentation do the Mexican government actually want from them? And for the people who were stuck in the southern part of the border, uh, what was the Mexican, if you have any idea, what was the Mexican government's plan? Were they going to deport them to Haiti? Were they going to keep them there? Could they apply for asylum in Mexico?
2: So one thing that we've been finding out is that Biden took a kind of a similar approach that Trump did. So one one thing that Trump did is he actually pressured the Mexican government to keep those migrants in the southern states. So let's say if you were illegally, if you were coming from like a Guatemala or Salvador, you couldn't leave Tapachula. That's that's something that we've seen with the Haitian migrants. So the, the paperwork that they needed is a kind of like a permanent resident status in Mexico But this paperwork, I don't know if it was done, you know, on purpose or or things like that, but it it just took months and months. So every time these Haitians would check in with the immigration offices in Mexico, they wouldn't have any progress. So essentially what happened is just all these migrants kept bottling, bottling up this one town in southern Mexico. And they all told me that, like I said, the the week of September 12, which is um, the week that the Mexicans have an independence holiday named El Grito. All of a sudden, they said due to the festivals, they were allowed to travel and that's where all, you see all these bustles come into Sudaracuna, which is one of the more safer zones for these Haitian migrants to cross so they don't have to actually encounter any cartel and pay any type of fee to cross that river.
0: So this, this massive inflow of Haitians into the United States, what you're pointing to is that this is the result of Mexican government actions. They released this pressure valve, basically, and all of a sudden Haitians who are living in southern Mexico are all moving into the United States now.
2: Yes, Exactly. And if it wasn't for that, you know, like I said, they couldn't move anywhere outside of Tapachula and and, Ch- and Chipas down there in southern Mexico until that paper, uh, that proper paperwork. But the Haitians were telling me that every day that they would check in, there would be no progress. They had almost essentially little work for the Haitians as well. They were telling me that they were sleeping on the floor and basically having Haitian makeshift encampments in Tapachula. Now, I'm just, this is just me speculating. I don't know, you know, if the Mexican local government said, hey, you know, we have a celebration this week. Maybe we don't want this community here. And all of a sudden they just let open the floodgates and finally let these Haitians travel freely, which they all took that, not all of them, but majority of them did take that opportunity to finally leave uh, Tapachula.
0: Okay. So the Haitians that you're encountering, um, how long ago were they in Haiti? I realize that the thing that we keep finding out about is that it seems a lot of the the haitians who are trying to get into the united states right now haven't actually lived in haiti for some time
2: and and that that's correct uh vince so one thing that i'm finding out is the haitians that i'm running into um haven't in, actually even been into to haiti in five plus years i've, I've been uh, the majority of the countries that they say that they reside in are either brazil or chile so when you're speaking to the haitians right. they actually do under understand spanish so that's how i'm able to communicate with them i do run into some haitians that that you know speak portuguese from brazil Um, So we're seeing them come from, from those South America countries. So I spoke to one Haitian migrant woman who told me that, you know, she traveled through like 10 countries just to, just to even have a chance getting into the U S so what they'll do is they'll reside in, like I said, countries like Brazil, Chile, they would find work and, you know, kind of get integrated in the community. Um, But at the end of the day, their goal is still the, still to get to the United States.
1: So I have a a couple of questions. Number one is Uh, Did anyone give you any stories of exploitation? I know you said that um, the cartels in Mexico largely aren't in the areas that the Haitian migrants have been coming through, but they've still come through some really dangerous areas and can easily be pointed out uh, in some of those countries as foreigners, you know, obviously, because of their skin color. So they're going through places like Guatemala, they're traveling through places like Honduras. have they suffered any kind of exploitation that we oftentimes hear that migrants suffer?
2: So I, I have spoke to some Haitian migrants who, you know, some women that have been sexually assaulted on the way. Um, the most common, the answer that I am running into is that these Haitians are paying, you know, human smugglers and coyotes to travel through Mexico, through Central America. And that's, that's one thing that they said is, um, is basically the, what, what stresses them the most because some of these human smugglers and coyotes Well, actually, you know, they'll provide them routes and kind of just leave them, you know, in the middle of nowhere. So sometimes they said, hey, we actually don't even trust, you know, human smugglers to get across. We were trying to do it through either buses or planes, but the the human smugglers and throughout Mexico and Central America are taking advantage of this Haitian uh, caravan and just basically selling them this dream that, hey, if you just get to the U.S., you're going to get temporary protected status. That's, that's kind of this myth that not only the Haitians kind of have, but also the this huge influx of Central American migra- um, migration, as well as this kind of this, uh, this thinking that, hey, if I just get on U.S. soil, I'm going to be, you know, temporarily protected status. And I think one thing that's really surprising the Haitians and maybe surprising some folks here in the U.S. is seeing how fast... Um, they are being now deported back to Haiti. So one thing that we are seeing now is that the, the single men are being deported back to Haiti. This is under via uh, Title 42. And the Haitian families are actually being processed and being released into the United States. I've, I've interviewed actually Haitians that were dropped off at the airport here in Del, Del Rio. I've actually, I, I, went in, I went to a gas station at like five in the morning and there was even Haitians waiting outside the gas station to be transported to San Antonio. So one thing that we are seeing now here in the Rio is now these Haitians are being released into uh, American cities with a, with an NTA, which is a, which is a notice to appear in court. Okay.
1: So I, I have uh, a couple of questions uh, to, to kind of follow up with that. Um, is it, uh, you know, because of COVID um, the reason why countries like Brazil and Chile, uh, are maybe not accepting some of these Haitian people? Is it because, is that the reason why they're migrating North instead of trying to settle in countries where they understand the language and, and they've been for the last several years? Is that a function of COVID or is that a function of right-wing governments like Bolsonaro who, you know, many people would argue is anti-Black um, and anti-immigrant. Is that, is that what, what is the reasoning for a lot of these Haitians, feeling like right now is the moment that they need to leave places like Chile and
2: Brazil. So the the, the common thing that I am I am getting is that that COVID nineteen did have a huge impact, definitely when it comes to work and just kind of now they're in an unstable place. You no, know, one thing that I think it, it, it's pretty common, but I've I've heard I've heard these from the Haitian migrants is you know in countries like Chile and and Brazil, you know. Um, there's still a amount of the population that is still very racist towards these foreigners. And that really has an impact on you know, them finding work and just feeling comfortable with their family. So that's why um, when I interview them, that's one thing that they, they continue to express is saying, hey, we wouldn't mind living in these countries, but due to the climate, the culture, um, a, lot of, a lot of the Haitian migrants that I met are not big fans of Bolsonaro. So that might also play, play a, a role in that too. But COVID-19 by far was the biggest impact, especially when it comes to jobs. But that
0: that idea that they expect temporary protective status, you know, you suggested that um, that the one one of the reasons they believe that is that's what that's what they're being sold by the cartels. Um, But we're also seeing obviously proof here in the United States that, you know, so long as you come as a part of a family unit uh, and you're not a single male, um, that your chances of getting in seem to be very high. You just have to wait, wait your turn. Uh, We're seeing those amazing images underneath the International Bridge in Del Rio Texas where you know upwards of 13,000 Haitians were gathered at one point uh, in the past few days um, what is leading them to the conclusion that just getting here means they will be able to stay?
2: well one thing uh, Vince is when I was covering the border crisis early in March and I was you know interviewing the Central Americans is essentially what happened is everything did change when it when it when this administration changed so when Biden came in, he removed the Remain in Mexico policy, which is, was one of the biggest um, deters when it comes to migration, because for these migrants, their thinking is, why would I risk everything and all you know, all, basically all my money to travel through Mexico just to get into the United States to basically be told you have to remain in Mexico until your, your future court hearing? When Biden came in, he actually removed the Remain in Mexico policy, and that's how we saw this huge influx of migrants. So for the cartel, they just saw a dollar signs. So for them they've worked through their communications down through Central America and obviously through Mexico. And they, you know, now they begin to sell that dream to the migrants saying, hey, there's a new president. The time to come is now. You don't have to remain in Mexico. So, for instance, a lot of these migrants, when they do cross illegally into the United States, and let's say they get processed and they're, they're given a, a NTA notice to appear, um, you know, I was speaking to Border Patrol. Eighty to to ninety percent of the time, they don't even show up in court, and all of a sudden, now we have them in inside the United States, and we where there's no way to track them. So the biggest thing was the removal of the Remain in Mexico policy, really opened up the floodgates.
1: Mm-hmm. So how is how is the humanitarian aid um, on in Ciudad Acuna, and you know, on the Mexican side, and uh, in Del Rio? Um, I've heard different things um, that the <clears throat> that the United States is failing in that regard and that the Mexicans have not uh, given proper humanitarian aid. People aren't getting enough food. People aren't getting masks. People aren't getting the supplies that they need uh, to stay healthy. Is that true or is that overstated?
2: No, that's, that's completely true. So the one thing that, that I was shocked by is when I was actually on the Mexican side, I was interviewing the Haitian migrants. Uh, a lot of them actually told me that they were they actually crossed the river and they were living under that bridge but the, that that food was only coming in only one time a day limited mm-hmm. resources i mean they they didn't even have enough porta potties for all these people and yeah i eat- heard that there's like two dozen porta potties i think
0: for thousands of people
2: yeah so the living conditions in the were horrible and then the heat is over 100 degrees so a lot of the haitians told me that they actually couldn't handle all that i mean only eating one time a day so they would actually cross back into mexico and that's where they would get their supplies. Um, one thing that I'm, that I'm actually hearing is, you know, the Mexican government isn't even doing anything in terms of providing any type of resources. The only way that these people are actually surviving on the Mexican side is actually through Mexican locals. So when I'm down there, the local community in Ciudad Acuna has been you know, trying to do the best they can in feeding, providing all types of supplies. I mean, when I'm down there, I mean, you have cars just going in day in and day out of, Mexi- of Mexican citizens, locals coming in and helping out the migrants themselves. So when the migrants actually receive these supplies on the Sudaracuna side, what they'll do is they'll wrap up these supplies in these large trash bags. And that's where you got to see in that um, in my video on Twitter of Vincent Jason, where I follow those Haitian migrants as they've used this rope. And what they'll do is they'll use this rope to hang on and balance and they'll cross the Rio Grande River and transport these supplies to the Del Rio side and give it to the Haitians on the Del Rio side. So they've all told me that the only reason that they're really able to survive or have any type of lifeline is actually the Mexican locals who are going out of their way to providing all these resources. then what we'll see is the Haitians on the Mexican side transport those supplies then to the American side um, and give those supplies to them. So. The Mexican locals are really actually doing a better job than I would say the U.S. government right now and just providing um, resources for the for these folks and treating to these. You know, we have multiple illnesses. Um, there are pregnant women living under that bridge. It was just a, a three days ago we had a, a pregnant um, Haitian migrant woman give birth and she, was, she tested positive for COVID as well. So they're actually, like I said, really just surviving off the, the Mexican locals in, in Sudaracuna right now.
0: All right, let me, uh, because you cited you it, I wanna show people this video. Uh, this is you uh, walking behind uh, a Haitian migrant who is uh, bringing supplies across the Rio Grande. And uh, you're explaining this as you, as you walk right behind him inside the Rio Grande. Take a look.
2: We're approaching nighttime here. This, uh, this continues throughout this, the ongoing uh, supplies delivery to the other side of the Rio, Texas. So we're gonna follow this man as much as we can here. But this is what the uh, the haitians do so they'll use this rope here they'll use this rope here to hang on and what they'll do is uh they'll put the supplies on top of their head and they'll walk over holding on to this rope and this goes on throughout the day and night so they go back and forth delivering the products to each other and it's never seen before covering the border something like this where forth between mexico and del rio texas bringing supplies to the other side uh the haitians that actually were living in texas and came back to this side tell us that they only eat one time of day. So this is basically their main uh, supply. And they go back and forth. The water's kind of coming up here, closer to uh, higher up on my chest here. And this is where you can you see he's, he's grabbing the rope down there to kind of guide him and he's gonna have some helpers on the other side as well
0: Jorge how dangerous are the conditions as you're walking across the Rio Grande uh what's the what's the current like and and like that rope having a rope there is very suggestive of the fact that this is a perilous thing to do
2: yeah so the I mean yesterday when I was there the the current wasn't wasn't too bad um the the water comes up to at least say you know up, up up to your neck so I mean, that, that, that right there, they're able to get across pretty, I would say, pr- pretty easily. As long as the rope is there, it's a, it's, it's a huge help. And mm-hmm. they're able to transport, like I said, day and night, uh, whether it's people, whether, whether it's supplies, they, they move in and out. Something that I've also, like I said, I just find common is, you know, those Haitians that are living under the bridge. What they'll do is if they don't have enough food is they'll, they'll cross back into Ciudad Acuna, get their supplies, eat whatever they need. And then they'll cross back into the Del Rio side. And if you could actually see, um, Vince, in that video, you know, the Border Patrol and the Texas State Troopers are, are right. They're actually watching this uh, go on throughout the day and night. So it's not like they're enforcing anything. It's not like they're, they're, they're blocking off anything. It's 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 just happening. It's almost like an open open flea market.
1: So with with uh, first of all, Jorge, I wanted to ask, uh, we've, we've heard about a lot of right wing politicians who have gone down and visited that area. I don't know if you've seen any but usually because they're trying to make a point about, you know, the danger of immigrants coming into the United States, Uh, have any left-wing, have you seen any left-wing politicians make their way down to Del Rio, um, you know, and, and and talk about humanitarian aid and the conditions there and uh, you know, maybe try to highlight what needs to be done.
2: So as of right now, the, the, the only two that I've, that I've seen are, um, one of them is the Congressman Henry coular So he's a, he's a Democrat. He's been very vocal since the beginning of the border crisis, just trying to give attention to it. So Henry's always still here. He'll, he'll visit often and, and is talking about this issue. Um, and really the only other one that I've seen is, uh, the mayor here, uh, the mayor here in Del Rio is, uh, is a democratic Bruno would actually, you know, he, he comes down, he talks to, you know, he, he's the one who's, I would say is being the most vocal. He's trying to get the Biden administration to come actually visit the border. And you could actually, you know, if you go on his on his on his Twitter, he's always, you know, tagging Biden and the administration. But that's that's the only left wing, uh, I would say, you know, politicians that, that we've seen so far uh, talk about this issue right now. But Jorge,
0: when the way how are they talking about this? issue? Because I know in at least Henry Cuellar's case. Uh, He is saying we need to get control of the border and the Biden administration is ignoring it and they won't take my calls. Uh, That's that's his desperate uh, uh,
2: call. What is the mayor of Del Rio saying? Um, Essentially the same thing. He he's beyond desperate. And this is not you know, this is not something new for the mayor of Del Rio. He was speaking about this issue in March. Like I said, I was down here in Del Rio in March and they had the, the problem of just constant Venezuelans coming in. And something to, to kind of keep in mind here is a you know city a city of Del Rio population is thirty five thousand. This whole this this town only has five ambulances for the whole town. So essentially, they're using all of their local resources in attending to these migrants. So the mayor here has been has been speaking out since the beginning of the of the border crisis. Obviously, now he, he, he's getting more media attention. But the last time uh, that I spoke to mayor, he said he has not heard from the Biden administration, he hasn't heard from Vice President Kamala Harris. I mean, just, just a couple of days ago, we did have DHS Secretary Mayorkas stop down and, and view, view the border, but he, he's been exhausted on, on trying to get this message out and just trying to get any type of attention on, on the border, especially the, the, the humanitarian part of it as well. So
1: we're, we've been hearing a lot about uh, the Biden administration uh, ramping up deportations, making them quicker, uh, is there any concern that maybe they're not taking into account, uh, people who are real political refugees, people who have, uh, reason to believe that they are in danger in Haiti, um, and they're just kind of rushing in order to get this, uh, this crisis and, and this basically this political eyesore to disappear rather than really looking at the situation, like, are, are, is there concern amongst Haitians or border patrol that maybe some of these people are uh, legitimate asylum seekers and, and deserve that? I know that some people have gotten asylum, um, in, you know, or at least have, have passed uh, the early stages of it. Um, is there concern now with, with ramping up uh, deportations that maybe they're not going through the process the way they should?
2: So one thing that we're noticing, and and, and that's a good question. It almost is, it seems as of right now that that has been kind of completely thrown out the window. So right now, there's so many migrants that they're that they really just are trying to get this bridge situation figured out. So so like I said, one one huge thing is here is that if you're if you're a single male, you will be getting deported back to Haiti, and they're doing this rapidly. I mean, they have it at eight flights per day, maybe even more. And I haven't seen anything so far of anyone really seeking asylum or them actually trying to work out that progress. So one thing that we're seeing is the single males are being deported at a pretty fast rate. And then the family units are just being processed and then released into the United States. So, um, you know, most of these Haitians so far that have been released into the United States that I've encountered, I haven't encountered any that don't have any family in the U S so when I do meet Haitians out in the street that have been released into the U S they all have family here in the U S. So one thing that I've been running into is that, these Haitians are being deported into, into, well, that I've seen so far, not not deported, I would say, are being flown into Florida. So they're being flown into states like Florida because that's where they have large Haitian communities and they're being um, reunited with their families there. So from what I have seen is, I haven't seen anything regarding that these people have legitimate cases for asylum seekers. I think from, just like I said, from what I'm seeing is they have been so overwhelmed that I think they're just trying to get this political eyesore figured out as fast as they can. And like I said, that's why the deportations are at the rate that they are and that the, these units are just being processed into the United States pretty, pretty rapidly. I believe two days ago they said that in just 24 hours they were able to process 2,000 people at once. And it just seems like that right now is the number one objective. They're not really yeah. going through the process of, of figuring out if these are legit asylum seekers. at Cisco. So
1: Vince, let me ask one other question to Jorge uh, before, before I, I toss it over to you. Um, the woman who gave birth, who had covid uh, do we know what, what actually happened to her and is her child, if it was born under that bridge in Del Rio, uh, is that child an American citizen?
2: So right now we don't have too much in, in information on her. One, one thing we didn't know is that she, she gave birth here at a, at a local do, Del Rio hospital. Um, she tested positive for COVID and I would assume that you know, under the U.S. birthright citizenship that her you know, daughter or son will be a citizen here in the United States.
1: And that mm-hmm. will entitle her to, to stay in the United States?
2: Yes. She, okay. she will most likely now get, get processed with, a, like I said, a notice to appear in court. Um, kind of the huge issue with these NTAs as of right now is that they can take up to three years uh, from now for even her having to, to appear uh, in court again. But she should be um, getting released into the United States and will be most likely reunited uh, with Uh, Haitian Americans living here in the United States.
0: So the the remain in Mexico policy, I want to go back to that for a moment, uh, was reinstated by the courts recently, and the Biden administration said that they would begrudgingly honor that commitment. And then we've even seen some reports that people have been going back to Mexico in some cases where they've made asylum claims. Why haven't Haitians been brought back to Mexico or sent back to Mexico for that remain in Mexico policy to continue to be in, in effect? Because they claim that they're both going to be honoring Remain in Mexico, yet as you're pointing out, uh, the majority of these Haitian illegal immigrants are being brought into the United States uh, and and released. Um, so I, what Did is you say
1: majority? I don't think he said that.
0: Is that what you said, Jorge? No, it is the majority though. I mean, this is not it's not a subject of debate. I mean, the the individual men are being deported, but then family units, which comprise the majority of the Haitians who are crossing the border, are being Released into the United States, and so why is that? Uh, I, I, I'm trying. I'm struggling. Basically, what I'm trying to understand is what is the Biden administration policy? Are they honoring remain in Mexico,
2: or are they not? That's actually the same question that, that I have been. So, from from what I'm seeing on the ground, is they are not honoring the remain in Mexico policy at all. So, even if you were a family unit seeking a uh, you know seeking asylum or protect, temporary protected status, you would have to wait in Mexico. So we're not seeing that at all with the Haitians and we actually really haven't been seeing that with even the Central American migrants as well. They're also being released inside the United States with the notice to appear. So we haven't seen any of that. And when I was in the, on the Mexican side, everyone that I interviewed, not one of them are, you know told me the story like, hey, you know, I got processed and now I'm you know, remaining in, me- in Mexico until my further court hearing. We're not hearing any of that. I haven't seen any evidence that the Biden administration is undering the remaining uh, Mexico policy as of right now.
0: Hmm. I mean, it's amazing just to see these images. How many of the um, when you when you see these Haitian uh, migrants, how how many small children are among them? I've seen some of these pictures of of very young babies. In fact, at one point, um, I don't know if these were Haitian migrants, but my memory serves. In the last week, there was a, an image of of an abandoned infant in a car seat and next to like her three year old sister or something. Just awful. Um, how many young children are you seeing?
2: We don't have the exact number, but. I would say I mean Vince, we're, we're seeing thousands I mean when I was on you know either on the del Rio Bridge or on Sudaracuna, I mean I'm seeing so many young young kids and and, I, and I'm seeing a lot of also you know newborn babies I mean a lot of these these babies that these mothers have are under under one years old and it's 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 pretty drastic especially for the for the Haitians living under the bridge because you know these young children are also in those bad conditions I mean we're talking about over 100 degree weather. Yeah. only eating one time of day, very limited resources. Um, so we're seeing tons and tons of, of, of children. Um, I've seen I honestly have never seen anything, anything like this at the moment, even when I was interviewing, you know, Central American migrants. I mean, you always uh, encounter young children, but not I mean, I, I've never seen this many young children on on each of, you know, Sudan Kuna and in Del Rio, um, anything, anything, anything like this at all you
0: kind of get the sense that this has to be a conscious choice by the Mexican government to push this wave of migration into the United States. Because as you pointed out, it was like, it really, as we started this conversation, it was about the, they didn't have the clearance, the, all these thousands of Haitian migrants to get out of Southern Mexico. Uh, and now all of a sudden they do. Um, you know, you, you got to wonder kind of what brinksmanship, what game what game the Mexicans are playing uh, if they've invited this massive wave of migration into the u.s
2: yeah one thing uh, maybe the kind of a, one of a, a bigger difference between the trump and the biden administration is that you know the biden administ- the trump administration would threaten mexico to enforce their borders by enforcing tariffs and you know any way right. to hurt them financially so under the under the trump administration you actually saw that anytime like i said if a migrant came into mexico illegally they would have to wait in a Southern state and they couldn't even leave. And they had a pretty pretty good system. I know the president of El Salvador, Nayib Bukele, actually spoke out in support of that as well because for Bukele, he's trying to keep as many Salvadorians in El Salvador for his economy. But with with the, the, the change in administration, you know, like I said, like from the outside looking in, it just seems that the Mexican government doesn't feel threatened by the Biden administration when it comes to tariffs mm-hmm. or anything, anything like that. And like I said, it just they almost opened up the floodgates out, at at out, at once. Maybe you know, it's you know, I'm you know, like I said, just, just to speculate, it almost seems like the Mexican government or the local governments down there in, in Tapachula didn't want that huge Haitian population there when they were celebrating their Independence Week. it's it's it's, it's really hard to know, but. It's just, um, yeah, that's that's kind of one of, another big difference is that it seems like as of right now that the Mexican government doesn't feel threatened by the, by the Biden administration when it when it comes to handling uh, this border issue on each side. So, so Jorge, you mentioned a lot about uh,
1: the Venezuelans who preceded the Haitians coming in. Have you noticed any difference? Um, of course, we've seen images of border patrol, and you know, there's been debate about the relationship between Border Patrol and these migrants. <clears throat> Have you seen any difference in the way that some of the Venezuelans uh, were treated versus the way that the, uh, the Haitians are being treated?
2: I mean, the, the, the big difference, and I mean, just one of the things that to keep in mind, um, you know, when the, Ven- when, the, when the Venezuelans do cross into Del Rio, I mean, they're coming in like the hundreds, so maybe the biggest group you're going to run into is a, is a group of 200 you know, with the Haitians, they, they came in by, by the thousands. So I think that just really overwhelmed the local resources here. Now, with the Venezuelans, they'll be quickly processed um, and then, you know, be released into the United States. I, I've actually kept in contact with some of the Venezuelans that, that, got, um, that are here in the U.S. now that were in those caravans. But I think the, the biggest difference for me, Jason, is just seeing how quickly the Haitians are being deported back to Haiti. I mean, we didn't see that with the Central American migrants, you know, we didn't see anything where they were being boarded on planes and sent back to El Salvador or Honduras or Guatemala. We, you know, I haven't I haven't seen that at all. So I think the biggest is just seeing how quickly they're deported them back to Haiti. And you know, one thing to keep in mind is these these Haitian migrants they haven't been to Haiti in over five years. It's right. not like they migrated from Haiti, you know, into Mexico then are trying to cross into the U.S. You know, they've they they really don't you know they're unfamiliar with that country and you know. Right now, when, when I when I interview those Haitian migrants is they're fearful that if they are deported into this country, they obviously don't know the country anymore. And it's in it's in a political and economic crisis right now with the you know, with the president recently being assassinated. So that's that's one thing that I've, I've kept in mind is I just haven't seen these depor, depor, these uh, deportations as quick with the Haitians. And, I'm, and, you know, this is you know, we've been dealing with this border crisis since March. So you would think that you know, even with the Venezuelans or the Central Americans, that they would be deported quickly. We just we just haven't seen that. And that that to me so far has also been really one of the the biggest differences.
0: Yeah, it's really an an amazing thing, actually, that there's such a contrast uh, between the treatment of Central Americans and the treatment of Haitians here. Uh, And I think it lacks uh, good explanation. You know, the White House was asked this week about this, like, what is Kamala Harris doing here? Uh, and they once again resorted to saying that while well, she's addressing root causes. I'm not sure what root causes she might be addressing when it comes to Haiti. Central America is a pretty well-worn, and I would say, uh, pr- you know, ineffective uh, in, in a very obvious way playbook, which is we just keep pouring money into Central America and hope for the best. Uh, I don't know what the plan is with Haiti. I'm not really sure, and and I don't think the Biden administration has signaled how it addresses the root causes of Haitian migration, wherever it's coming from.
2: Yeah. And I mean, one thing to to keep in mind is now, you know, and there was a recent report like a day or two ago by The New York Times where the Haitian government is coming on saying, we don't know what to do with these deportees. I mean, they're essentially now homeless deportees in Haiti, in a country that's already in political and economic crisis. I'm not really sure that's the best way to go about it. I mean, one would have to think that, you know, these Haitians being deported back into this country with all this crisis, that they'll eventually make their way back into South America and maybe in attempts try to get into the U.S., Again, so that's very unclear, and like I said, a recent report by the New York Times even suggests that the Haitian government doesn't know what to do with these, these deportees. They don't have the resources uh, to, keep, to, to keep up with them, and I would, I would expect that um, a, you you know know in a week or two, they're, they're really going to have a huge crisis in their hand in, in, in Haiti when they have thousands of homeless single male deportees in their country. Yeah, I mean, they've already
1: got uh, quite a few crises. Of course, you said the political instability. Uh, and, you know, they've got gang violence, just like they have in Central America. And, of course, we know that they've had another earthquake. They still haven't really fully recovered from the, from the major earthquake that killed 300,000 people. But they had another one that killed another 2,000 people recently. So, the uh, you know, I think that these deportations being really quick uh, have been... You know, I'm surprised that there hasn't been more of an outcry from the left uh, at the Biden administration for the way that they've reacted to this. Um, You know, the Biden administration has been praised by people like Tony Gonzalez uh, and some right wing people who are saying, hey, good job for deporting them really quickly. Uh, I'm surprised that there hasn't been more pushback from the left. Um, But uh, what I. Being on the ground, I, I know you're just, you know, you're a reporter who reports the news. But if you were kind of in a seat of power, uh, being that you have the experience of having seen what's going on and the conditions, what would you say would be a good fix if you were
2: Kamala Harris or President Biden? Well, oh, that's a tough, uh, that's a tough, I mean, you know, this, you know, this is just a very complicated, you know issue it's not it's not a, a black and white um you know it's 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 very difficult uh you know to what i would do because the um, you know the remaining mexico policy it did to, you know deter migration and and you know you do want your country to have borders and a strong immigration policy and a, a policy that just makes sense all around it's it's really difficult to say what you know what exactly to do right now because with the remaining mexico policy It does put in danger these migrants because you're essentially putting putting them in border Mexican towns that are Mexican cartel owned. Who you know, human traffic. You know, these migrants. You know, some of them are actually the majority of these men are sometimes recruited into the cartel as hitmen for them. So it's it's difficult to say what what I would do. I think you know from you know just looking from the outside and maybe just looking at everything. I think one thing that that I would try to that I would instill. Let's say if I was in power, is that making sure that Mexico stops this problem at their borders so that's one thing that um even like guatemala and el salvador they actually didn't they like trump's policy on that because you know for guatemala and el salvador especially for el salvador the president was vocal he was saying he said hey i'm trying to keep as many salvadorians in el salvador to help out our economy it's actually not good when our own people are leaving to the U.S. We actually we're we're hurting. So he liked that the, when the National Guard was strong on the Mexican border because you, you got to bring you got to keep those Salvadorans in El Salvador. But it's you know I, I got to be honest, Jason. It's just it's very difficult just to just to you know to say you know this one fix fixes all. Um, and then you know we're as of right now, like if we're you know speaking in today's terms, even if you wanted to help these people, so let's say you wanted to say hey you could stay in the U.S. We simply don't have the facilities and the manpower to handle these people. I mean, the reason why they're being released into the US is because every single border processing facility is at over capacity. Some of these uh, border uh, processing centers, they're over capacity by 500%. Um, I was speaking to um, Congressman Brian Babin, just two months ago when we had the huge influx of Central American migrants. He said that he was visiting these migrant facilities and, you know, these pods or these rooms that are only made for like 32 people. He said each of these rooms were holding like 500 people. You have people sleeping on top of each other. I know NBC News even put out a report last month that some of these migrants are being sexually assaulted in these migrant facilities. There's just really no, I was, you know, there's no easy way to go about it. I mean, if we're, like I said, we're speaking in today's terms, even if you wanted to help these people, we simply do not have room. I mean, or anywhere to hold them at, 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 at this moment.
0: I have to ask you about the political assessments that the Haitian migrants are making uh, when you chat with them. Any indication that they had, uh, you know, that they had a different thought about their chances of getting in when Donald Trump was president versus now with Joe Biden as president?
2: Yeah, Vince, that's, that's a that's a huge thing that that's, you know, when I'm speaking to Central American migrants, whether it's Venezuelan or, or, or Haitians, you know, the, the all common answer is I couldn't come here under Trump. So for them, the impression was that, you know, if they cross into the U.S. illegally, that they would be immediately deported back to their home country. So for them, that, like I said, that's what deterred, it, deterred the immigration, the remain in Mexico policy. Uh, but now the thinking has, that you know, the thinking has changed that, you know, the assumption is, hey, if, as long as I get into the U.S., I'll have some type of temporary protected status, or I'll be released into the United States with a further court date. So just seeing the change in presidents has been really huge dramatic and just kind of seeing the thinking of the migrants you know when you're when you know when i was speaking to the central american migrants they they told me they had literally like no shot they wouldn't even try to come because they knew that the trump administration wouldn't wouldn't take them in so the 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 whole thinking has changed with with the change in administrations
0: it is it's just amazing it's just amazing and so you think about that as like what a what a magnet it is for uh, illegal migration into the united states um but i gotta say you know i yeah, I Hor, uh, I'm just I'm so appreciative of you uh, and your reporting. I know that you know, you've traveled, as we as I said at the outset to so many cities uh, over the last year. You've seen so much civil unrest in the United States. Uh, but but going down to that border, you've been traveling up and down it. And by the way, I, I want to comment on, you know, you've we saw the video of you kind of walking a little bit into the Rio Grande following uh, some of the Haitian migrants who were carrying supplies across. But you are not actually doing illegal crossings back and forth from Mexico to the United States in your capacity as a reporter. It must be difficult to try and cover both sides of the same location uh, and, and yet follow all of the rules. Like you've got
2: to actually cross through ports of entry, right? Yeah, I mean, what, I mean, what, what really made it difficult is when, you know, they, they closed the Del Rio port of entry. Um, it, it, it's actually hurting both local economies. So for us, you know, we had to, we had to drive 57 miles east uh, to Eagle Pass, port of entry, and then enter, enter through there, and then drive an hour back up to Acuna, which it could be a little bit dangerous because some of these major highways in Mexico are cartel-owned, and you will be stopped by either federal police or anything like that just to, to check up on you. But, yeah, it's it's been difficult. You know, we're, we're trying to follow the rules as, as much as, you know, we can. And But as you know, Vince, and media and journalism, sometimes you got to... You gotta break the rules, bend them a little bit. Um, I was thinking about crossing from the Mexico side back to the to the American side, but uh, I I decided not to. But you know, we, we the, at the end of the day, you know, my, my goal is just I want at least to show the audience a full scope. You know, you I don't want them just I don't want them just to, to show the story of them living under the bridge. I think I think as an American audience, you get a you get the full scope when you go into Mexico, you speak to the Haitians there and just see how the whole dynamics and everything um really really plays out. So we're you know, we're trying our best just to show the, the audience the, the full scope, the full picture for the full understanding. Um, because, you know, the majority of people don't know that these Haitians were living in, in Tapachula. You know, there's a, there's this kind of conception that these Haitians are coming straight from Haiti into the, into America, which is which is not the case. You know, they, they've, they've left, like I said, they left Haiti, you know, years ago and have been residing in countries like Brazil and Chile. So
1: my, my question is, um, usually when you get, you know, 13,000 desperate hungry people, Uh, there is unrest amongst the people. Um, It seemed from what I saw, it seemed like there was a lot of cooperation between uh, these Haitians. And it seemed like there was uh, an attempt to kind of make this work to make sure that both sides are fed, they're, they're kind of cooperating back and forth. Is that what's happening? Or, you know, is there the kind of unrest that we usually see when we
2: see crowds of desperate, hungry people? So at, at first, Jason, there, there was co- cooperation. What essentially happened is when the, you know, when the U.S. started to deport the single males back to Haiti is that's when, you know, they, they were facing more of, a, of an angrier crowd in the single males, not the family units. So this actually was worrying the Texas State Trooper. So that, um, if you guys even pull up the images Right now, we see at least like 150 state trooper SUVs parked inside the migrant camp. And the reason why we're seeing so much law enforcement presence is to stop any potential civil unrest between the single males. Now that they're, you know, that now that they're that the news is reaching them that hey, we're going to be deported back to Haiti. Um, it was actually reported yesterday that one of the buses uh, that would be taken into a processing center that the that the Haitians actually almost took over the bus. Um, of that of that driver we also we also got a report yesterday that when a one of the the planes that was deporting the haitian males when it when it reached haiti that the that they started attacking the pilot of the plane when they landed so we are seeing that civil unrest as like i said as the news breaks out that they will be deported as of right now things have been contained just because there's such there's a huge law enforcement presence there when i'm when i'm reporting outside the the uh, that the the del rio bridge i mean you see convoys of state troopers going, I'm talking about a hundred cars, convoys in there. So they have a large um, police presence there just to try to tame any type of potential civil unrest. And that's why we're seeing these, these deportations at the rate that they are, because they're just trying to get the single males out of there um, you know, for, to, to cause any potential civil unrest. But yeah, we, we have seen some of that. Like I said, there was a, a bus driver that was attacked um, a few days ago. There was a, the pilot that was attacked in Haiti when they landed um, by, by those males. Amazing. Well, Jorge
0: Ventura, I, have been sure I have, uh, you know again I, I express my appreciation. I know on behalf of both Jason and myself, I I uh, really appreciate this firsthand look at the border. There's a lot of um, you know a lot of punditry out there on this subject, but you're doing good journalism and talking to uh, the people on the ground uh, on all sides, both the American side of the border, the Mexican side of the border, the Haitian immigrants who are coming across the border patrol. Uh, so we appreciate as always your holistic picture. And uh, you know for, for those people who are out there. Uh, who would like a, a an ongoing better picture of what's happening especially on the border right now please follow Jorge Ventura on all of his social media accounts he's easy to find uh, and a lot of a lot of great stuff there Jorge thank you so much for doing I, I do
1: have one more question
0: go ahead go ahead Jason I'm sorry
1: no it's okay um have there been have there been any fatalities um that you're aware of has anybody died um under those conditions either well, on the Mexico think- side or on, on the United States side. And my, my second question, and then, you know, we'll wrap it up uh, is, you know, in your work long-term uh, near the border, um, have you had to, you know, show your documents to, to CBP or have they mistaken you as a man of color uh, as someone who's trying to get across the border Ill- illegal or, uh, you know, without documents.
2: So as, as of right now, we haven't, we haven't heard or seen any type of reports of, of fatalities so far, um, which is, you know, obviously really good news. And actually, Jason, I was reporting on the, on the Del Rio American side with, uh, with also uh, Julio Rosas uh, with town hall. So, you know, me and him are both Latino. So we have been mistaken actually a couple of times for, uh for migrants so it, it, it it's happened to us um a, a couple of times now
1: okay all right thank you so much julio I, i'm gonna toss it over to vince so because he does such jorge. a, yeah, a, a yeah. wonderful <laughs> julio i'm sorry jorge <laughs> yeah. but the other guy's name was julio right yeah yeah, yeah. people make okay all. all right i just i just want to make sure you know i wasn't just you know being racist and making up a latino <laughs> name you know uh-huh. uh that just, it just didn't pop in i was like yeah he's probably a julio uh, um, well
0: the two of them i mean they're just down there all the time constantly on the border they're really the resources man both julio and jorge
2: no right. no it, it jason it, it it happens all the time I actually i I, met, I just met a a reporter who who came up to me he said hey are you jorge rosas i was like how did you uh how did you combine names there?" so <laughs> no, but, but so awesome. no, thank you guys for uh um, you know for for bringing me on and you know, sharing, you know, getting this perspective out to the audience. I think it's, it's always really, really important.
0: Yeah. Thanks a lot, Absolutely. man. Absolutely. Thank thanks you. a lot. And uh, again, this is, you know, this is uh, Vincent Jason Save the Nation brought to you by Gold Co. Uh, and, you know, we really appreciate you spending some time with us. Again, the podcast uh, is available anywhere you can find a podcast. And certainly please share, like, subscribe, and comment uh, on the Daily Callers YouTube page to make sure that stories like Jorge's can be heard a lot more places. Thank you, Jorge Ventura, Jason Nichols. I'm Vince Colonnese. Great to talk to you today.